Well, it's my privilege and pleasure today to introduce you Pastor Gary Costello. And Pastor Gary and his wife Lisa are the founders and senior pastors of Awesome Church in the Five Dock area of Sydney, Australia. Gary is an ordained minister with the Assemblies of God, and I found out he's also a Rhema graduate, too. And uh, he, is, uh, he has a bachelor in theology, a diploma in ministry, and a diploma in Christian studies. He's written a number of books, including Divine Healing, A New Life with Jesus and God's Economy, and Awesome Church TV is on television. We actually saw, uh, you know, we don't really have cable or any of that, but one day we were going across the channels and it came on. You know, we could never get it back again, but somehow it just came on and we saw their church on TV. So they're on Sunday and Monday mornings. And Gary and Lisa, they have two daughters. Their names are Jessica and Charlotte. And we, we just feel a spiritual connection with them and they feel that with us. And we're just glad to have them. Give them a warm welcome as he comes today. Bless you. Thank you so much. Well, good morning, church. How are you? It's a real privilege and an honor to be here today. And um, I just want to um, say thank you to Tony and Patsy Caminetti. They just, um, I just kind of feel in the spirit that there's more to our relationship than just this weekend. I just sense that in the spirit. And my wife and I were talking about that last night. Uh, we, we kind of sense there's like a divine kind of connection that God is establishing. So we, we really just love you guys and we really just sense that there's something kindred about what we're doing in the spirit. So thank you so much for having us here today. And uh, thank you, James. Where are you, James, for driving me around yesterday? I appreciate that, brother. Did a good job. You got me here and you got me home. Hallelujah. And, um, and Lisa, could you stand up so everyone could see my better half? Amen. We're going to be celebrating 15 years of marriage, our next uh, anniversary, and uh, they've been the best 15 years of our lives, amen? And uh, so it's been very, very good. So, um, hey, I'm a pastor of a church, so, you know, I want to minister to you today as if it was my own church, because I love people, and I have a shepherd's heart. That's my gift. I'm a shepherd. I'm, I'm a pastor. I love people, and uh, I love the church. I love ministering in the house of God. I... I I just love that. So I really want you just to enjoy, you know, the next um, 45 minutes and uh, let God speak to you. But I believe we have a a couple of photos just to let you know a little bit about who I am in Sydney. And uh, do we have some photos here? No, we do. Oh, there they are. That's me at our church in Sydney. And um, I think there's a couple other photos there. We can move them pretty quickly. That's our church. It was a theatre. And it's been converted into a church now. And it's, uh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's really awesome. And there are our two little girls, Jessica and Charlotte. They're 10 and 7. But, you know, like every 10-year-old, she's 10 turning on 16. And, but uh, they are the loves of our lives. And that's a little bit of a view from inside our auditorium. And uh, praise God. So that's a little bit about me. And um, if you're ever in Sydney, you would be our guests at Awesome Church in Sydney. Amen. Hallelujah. What a great night last night was, graduating all those students. And, you know, Pastor Tony mentioned that I'm a graduate of the, uh, the Assemblies of God Bible College, but I'm also a graduate of Rhema. And, um, yes, and I graduated in Rhema before the AOG. So there you go. So uh, Rhema got me first. Um, and I'm with, the, I'm with ICFM, and uh, I'm, I'm part of the faith family. So Rhema, to me, and, 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 and the word of faith, I'm a word of faith preacher. 
I, I really don't think you could be anything else. And when, when people say to me, are, are you word of faith? I said, well, what is the alternative? Word of fear? Word of pessimism? I mean, there's only one word. It's the word of faith. So I feel I'm amongst friends today. Would I be right in saying that? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I better get into it because time is precious. And uh, I really believe that I have something for this church today. Uh, I've been waiting on God. I've been in prayer. And whenever I minister in a church, I, I like to bring something fresh. I, I, I don't know about you, but as a shepherd, I'd like to know that whoever's preaching on my platform has waited on God and is preaching a word that is fresh, not something that they've preached, you know, a hundred times before, but something fresh for the church. I really believe the Holy Spirit has given me a message today for you. And I believe it's a word for, it may be a word that you'll receive today. It might be just one single word. It might be a phrase. It might be an image. It might be a revelation. It might be an idea. Because you know, the house of God is the gateway of heaven. It's the place where God downloads revelation. And my prayer today is that you receive something. And uh, maybe we could just lift our hands to heaven right now. And we could just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to all of us. Father in heaven, we just thank you for this day. This is the day the Lord has made. We choose to rejoice and be glad in it. I pray for this precious church family and the precious people that are here today. That Holy Spirit, you speak to us all. And give us something, Father God, that can inspire us, encourage us, challenge us, motivate us. Propel us to greater dimensions of faith. And I pray that this message will be touched by heaven. Holy Spirit, fall upon the people today in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Let's go to the Word of God. Hallelujah. Now, when people preach here, do you guys get excited? Do you say amen and praise God? Do you do that in this kind of church? Is that all right? Because I like preaching like that. Well, I kind of wind up slow and then I get into it. And you can help that by really getting into it with me. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Someone say hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, there we go. Matthew seven twenty four. Okay. These are the words of our Lord and Savior. He said, therefore, in verse 24, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall." Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 9. We see here that Jesus is talking about the foundations of a building. And it's metaphoric for the foundations of our life and what we're building on. I don't know about you, but I've been saved now for just over a quarter of a century. Uh, 25 years. I was saved on March the 15, 1988, 11.45 at Clarence Street in Burwood. Hallelujah. That's where I was born again. And on that day, I made a decision that I was tired of living a life without God. 
And I recognized that I just made a, a huge mess of my life and I was pretty messed up. I was playing in a rock and roll band and living that whole lifestyle. And uh, I, made a, I made a pretty big mess of myself. I mean, I really excelled in making a disaster of my life. But when Jesus Christ came in, I made a decision that I needed to renew my life. And it began with a foundation. I had a loving pastor that really shepherded me and took an interest in my life. I, I suppose he recognized something in me. And so he said to me, Gary Castillo, you need to lay a foundation. And you need to lay a foundation in the five areas of your life. And they are your spirit, soul, body, your relationships, and your finances. Because they're the five areas of a person's existence. And so I wrote down on a piece of paper those five areas, and I began the journey of building a life on the rock, which is what Jesus was talking about. I want to talk to you a little bit about some keys today, about building a good life. Because if you believe right, you will live right. And there's a great scripture in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1. It says, Wisdom has built her house. She has honed out her seven pillars. The title of my message this morning is, Seven Pillars in Building a Happy Life. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. I'll preach over into this direction because... You seem to be excited about that. Seven pillars on building a happy life. How many people want a happy life? I mean, I don't know about you, but when I went to church, I went to church because I wanted to get happy. I wanted to get, I wanted to get some joy into my life. And, and I praise God that in this house, there's, there's joy in this house and there's happiness in this house. And, and I want to build on that. I want to give you some keys on, on building that within your life, within your marriage, within raising children, with, with business life, whatever, whatever dimension that you're in. So here they are. Here are seven pillars in building a happy life. Number one, write this down. Number one, this is a big key. Make peace with your past so it won't disturb your present. I don't know about you, but as a pastor, when I'm ministering to people, one of the things that I find people get stuck on is they live in the past. They live in past failures. They live in past regrets. They live in the past thinking that, that the past is the only determining factor for their future. I learned something a long time ago that I, that I cannot change the past, but I can change my future by the decisions I make today. I can make a decision today. Every person in this room where you're sitting right now, you have the power to make a choice and a decision about the next thoughts and the next steps you're going to take in life. You can make it a step, a step to forgive. You can make a step to give. You can make a step to smile. You can make a step to worship. You can make a step to pray. You can make a step to, to, to give your life to Jesus Christ. You can make a positive step that can change your future. Or you can remain locked into the past, into past failures. I love what the Word of God says in Isaiah 43. And it says here in Isaiah 43, verse 18 beautiful scripture. It says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Come on, somebody. Shall you not know it? And I love this. It says, I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. 
God is saying to you right now, you may feel like your life has been dry and you've been living in a desert. You may feel like nothing can possibly change, nothing can possibly get better. But God in his majesty has a point to prove that when we give our lives to him, he wants to show you his glory. He wants to show you that he will make a way through the desert, through those dry places, so that he can bring you into a fertile, flourishing land where you can be blessed. That's just the nature of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Don't let past hurts or disappointments determine your future today. You may be sitting here today, you know, really demoralized about a relationship breakup, about a business failure, about something that happened in your life. And you might be sitting there thinking, you know what? I just don't know if I can go on. I want you to know something. In your own strength, that's probably true. But when we come to God, we receive a power. The Bible says, I love, I love the word but, hallelujah. Wherever you find the word but, hallelujah, in the Bible, you know God's about to say something. You know, he, I love the way God sets it up. He says, you know, you may be sick, but through his stripes we're healed. Jesus said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit falls upon you. And that word power is the word dunamis. In the ancient Greek, it literally means the power to change what you think cannot be changed. So when you come to God, he's going to infuse you with a power and an anointing that you're going to have the ability to change the very thing that you think sitting there today can't be changed. God's going to do it for his glory. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I love that. Make peace with your past so it won't disturb your present. Number two, write this down. I like this one. This is a good one. And, and this, when, when, when I kind of got this into my spirit, it really freed me. Here it is. Number two, what other people think about you is none of your business. What other people think about you, let me tell you something, it's none of your business. You know, only man's ego is concerned with opinions. And I learned something. I love that scripture in the Bible that says Galatians 2.20 uh, uh, 2 or 2.22, or when Paul says, it's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. You see, when I accepted Jesus Christ, I took the ego of Gary Costello and I buried it right there and I said, no more ego. So now when other people say things against me or about me that aren't nice, you know something? I learned something the last time I walked through a cemetery. I didn't find many offended people in there. And, and so when you bury your ego, you're going to find other people's opinions aren't going to matter much. And the opinion that matters the most is what you think about yourself. And I've determined something. What you think about me is really none of my business. And so let that be something that, that you receive today in your spirit. Don't live your life always thinking about what other people are saying about you. Because let me tell you, very few people in this world are ever going to be in agreement with you about your visions and your dreams and your future. You better make sure that you've got something with God because God is in agreement with you. In Matthew 3 verse 17, I love this scripture. It says that God spoke to Jesus right at the beginning of his ministry. And he said, when John baptized him in water, a voice came out of heaven and said, he said, and this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And you've got to know something. Right there, God speaks to his son 
right at the beginning of his ministry, before he starts his ministry of rejection and failure according to the world, because that's exactly what happened to him. As soon as Jesus began preaching, they wanted to kill him, they wanted to stone him, they wanted to just remove him. But for those who heard the message of the Savior, they received eternal life. So God had to instill within his son a good new a good sense of well-being, a good sense of self-esteem because he knew that his son was going to be rejected and despised, a man of many sorrows. So he says, Jesus, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Look at that term, beloved son. What does that speak of? Beloved means it speaks of acceptance. In other words, it's how God thinks about you. He accepts you the way you are, and that's how God thinks about us. That's why the Bible, in many occasions when the letters are written by Paul, he says, to my beloved brethren. You see, we are beloved. Say this with me. I am beloved. beloved. It's how God thinks about me. Right now, God's in heaven looking down. He's saying, Gary Costello, I love you. He says, Raymond Family Church, I love you. You're loved. And not only that, he says, he says, you're my son. That speaks about identity. That speaks about how God sees you. Not only how he feels about you, but the way he looks at you is, he says, you're my son. You're my daughter. You're not a number on a church roll. You are a person that God sent his son to die on the cross for. He loves you the way you are right now. You may have walked into this building full of sin. You may have had a terrible night last night. You may have done unspeakable things in the last seven days. But I want you to know something. In this house, in God's living room, you're loved. You're loved. He loves you. And he says, and I love this, who I'm well pleased. He hadn't done anything yet. Jesus hadn't even begun his ministry. And yet he, he instills into his son, Jesus, I want you to know I'm well pleased with you. In other words, it's my approval of you. I approve of you even before you do anything. That speaks about how God feels about us. How does he feel about us right now? He says, Gary Costello, I love you. You're my son. I'm well pleased with you. I approve of you. In other words, he's saying, Jesus, even before you do anything, I want you to know something. If you were to do nothing from this point, you're still loved, you're still accepted, and I'm still well pleased with you. Everyone in this room, you need to know something. God is pleased with you. He loves you, and he's for you. He's not against you. And and, and understand the reality of that power. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Look at this verse. Oh, I love this. Hallelujah. 29 verse 11 says, this is God speaking to us. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you. So God even knows what he's thinking. So what is he thinking about us right now? He says, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Isn't that beautiful? Right now, that's how God feels about me. And in this church, I can pray today. I can seek him today, knowing that God is listening to my prayer. Number three, write this down. Here's the third pillar for a happy life. Number three, time heals almost anything. Just give it time. You know, as a pastor, we encounter brokenness almost every day of our lives. People ringing our churches, people coming in off the street people coming to church on Sundays. And if there's you know, one big area that people are hurting in is in the area of brokenness. And it could be just failures within their own personal lives. 
And, and, and brokenness is something that Jesus came to heal. He said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, and here is another very important scripture. Remember what I said, time heals almost anything. Just give it some time. Ecclesiastes 3 says, verse 1, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. You see, I learned something a long time ago that life is not one season. It's not just summer for the whole year. It's not just heartache for your whole life. It's not just pain or suffering. There are seasons in life. And because Genesis 8.22 even says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat shall never cease. God has established life with seasons. And the writer here is saying, there's always going to be a time. And he goes on to list the different things that happen within that time. So I've recognized in my life, Gary Costello, there are going to be seasons in your life that are going to be stressful. There are going to be seasons in your life that are going to be maybe sorrowful or painful. There are going to be seasons in your life where it's going to be joy and it's going to be happiness. There are going to be seasons in my life that are going to be good. But you see, an unwise person sometimes expects that they want only a great season for their whole life. But Christianity does not offer you a storm-free existence. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, come to Christ and everything will be great. In fact, Jesus said those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Because why? We're at war with the enemy. And we're trying to live a righteous lifestyle. And the devil, he doesn't like that kind of living. But I know something. If I turn that around and I say to myself, okay, life is all about seasons. So if I'm having a difficult season right now, I will encourage myself to know that that season will not last forever. Spring eventually becomes summer. Summer becomes autumn. Autumn becomes winter. Winter becomes spring once again. And so you've got to have that mindset right now. Whatever season you're going through right now, don't be discouraged if you feel it's been a difficult season. Have courage to know that that season is there for a purpose. So you know what I do when I go through a difficult time? I say to myself, Lord, you're allowing this to happen. But for what reason? What is the purpose? We are all raised with a mindset that goes something like this. Whenever we're faced with a challenge or a trial, it's a bad thing. We're raised up with that mindset. So whenever there's a trial, whenever there is something that doesn't go our way, we instantly put it into the box that says, that's bad. That's a bad thing. And we get discouraged. But how about we turn that around? How about we turn that around by saying, if Romans 8.28 says, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord, then how can that trial be a bad thing? It doesn't make any sense. What makes sense to me is this. That that trial is allowed in my life to develop something in me. So I don't see trials and testings as being bad. I see trials and testings as opportunities for me to overcome. And every opportunity that I have to overcome, listen, you can't overcome the, the great victories, the Olympians, sporting people, business people, the great victories of overcoming something when the odds were against you and you overcame those odds and you had victory. That's satisfying. It's satisfying to me that when, rather than being unforgiving and staying in anger, I choose to allow that trial to be something as an opportunity for me to overcome. So I'm going to overcome that 
that hardness by being sweet. I'm going to overcome that unforgiving spirit by being forgiving. Rather than being angry all the time, I'm going to overcome that by being more kind and more compassionate and more merciful. And when I overcome that, I get the victory in Jesus' name. It's how we see it. It's how we look at it. And I know something. There's a great scripture in Exodus 33. Do you know that portion of scripture in Exodus 33 where Moses says to God, show me your glory? I learned something in Judaism that really blessed me so much. Because the Old Testament is written in the Hebrew language. And the whole aspect of Judaism is understanding the word and the Hebrew letters and how they are translated. It's a, it's a science and it's an art because you've got dots and squiggles and all kinds of things. And you need to find out what does that mean. So the rabbis spend a lot of time trying to determine what do those portions of scripture mean. Well, that scripture, show me your glory. You remember God says to him, I can't show you that. But what I can do you is allow you to walk past and then from the rear, you'll be able to experience my presence. But you know, in the Hebrew letters, it literally means this. What God was saying to Moses was this. You want to see my glory. One of the Hebrew words for the blessing of God is the Hebrew word which is found here, glory. In other words, Moses was saying, I want to see the blessing on my life. God says, I can't show you your future blessings. But what I can do you is allow you to go past me. And in retrospect, when you look back over your life, you're going to see the beauty of my blessing in every aspect of your life. You won't see it right there, but you'll see it in retrospect. If you were, if you were to ask me 25 years ago, where's the glory of God? I would, be, I would have said to you, I don't see it. I don't know it. But you ask me now, 25 years later, when I look back over my life and I see the blessing of God and the goodness of God. I have seen the glory of God and no one can take that from me and no one can take it from you because God works in that fashion. Just give it time. Time is a healer. Amen. Okay, number four, write this down. This is a good one. No one is in charge of your happiness except you. The moment you relinquish your happiness to somebody else, well, I'm only happy if he loves me. Well, I'm only happy if she does nice things to me. Well, I'm only happy if the boss gives me a pay rise. Well, I'm only happy if the pastor lets me preach. Well, I'm only going to be happy if things go my way. Well, you know what? If you live your life like that, I can tell you right now, I lived like that for a long time. I was miserable because my happiness was always based on what other people did for me. Then I got a revelation and the revelation went something like this. No one is in charge of my happiness except me. You know, there's a great book that I did a course at our church last year. It went for 10 weeks. And it's written by a world-renowned um, psychiatrist who also is a rabbi. And he, is, uh, he speaks on the subject of personal development and fulfillment from a psychiatric point of view. He's also a doctor and a surgeon. He's a very learned and skilled man. He wrote a book called Gateway to Happiness. And a rabbi gave me this and he said, Pastor, read this because this has really blessed our community and I really believe it'll be a tool that could really bless people if you're counseling or ministering to people in the area of the pursuit of happiness. But not happiness, a cheap form of happiness based on happenings, but an inner joy. And so as a rabbi, he uses the word of God 
from a, from a clinical perspective as well in dealing with patients that struggle with things like sadness, that struggle with things like approval-seeking, anger, guilt, suffering, insults, envy, desires, preventing problems, you know, worry, um, self-worth, the peace of mind. This book came into my life at a, at a time when I needed something to just give me some clarity in some areas of the emotions and in the mind. And so I read this and it literally changed my whole thinking in a lot of areas. I presented it to our church and we did this course on it for 10 weeks, which turned into 20 weeks. And it was just phenomenal. People were ordering this book from me. They're from Israel. And I have only two copies here because I don't have hardly any left, but they are available. There's a couple left here. This is an outstanding book for people that want to overcome obstacles within the area of their emotions and mind and it's full of the word of God as well from an Old Testament perspective but you, you can see the grace of God in this and the blessing of the Lord but when I opened it I was instantly attracted by the very first statement of the very first line of this book when it came to happiness and it says and I highlighted it it says happiness is a skill that can be learned and when I read that I thought i would never seen happiness like that that it's actually a skill that I can learn. And so I began to apply basic principles and I discovered something. It works. I just want to read you one paragraph on the chapter that deals with sadness or sorrow. People that are trapped in sadness, trapped in sorrow. And it says, two people living in the same city at the same time can live in entirely different worlds. Although they both have the potential to view the world in the same light, one's world is beautiful and full of opportunities for growth, the other's is not. Both are healthy and their basic needs met, but their perspective of daily events is vastly different. Ultimately, whether a person will be happy or sad throughout his life is dependent upon his attitudes." Since we have the potential for a large degree of control over our attitudes and thoughts, we have the choice of making ourselves happy or sad. You know, I can save you a lot of money. I'll give you the crux of this book, if you like, in one sentence. But it goes something like this. Happiness is a skill that can be learned. How you think, react, and the conclusions you make towards people, situations, and circumstances is going to determine your happiness. I've discovered in life that people are either reactive or proactive. Everyone in this room, you're either a reactive person that reacts to outside stimulus to what occurs in your life, and that reaction could be just impulsive, like, you know, when you're building and you hit your thumb, ah, and then the explosives come out. Or if you're a Christian, hallelujah, praise the Lord, thank you for your healing. Um, that's reactionary. Someone says something unkind to you when you walk into church. Or maybe the pastor didn't say hello to you and you react. There's no love in this church. I'm not coming back here anymore. How many times have you heard that? It's a reaction. And we tend to react because people are either reactive or they're proactive. You see, being proactive is very different. A proactive person resists the, the, the urge inside of you to, you know, that urge to splurge, that urge to someone cuts you off when you're driving and you want to scream at them or your husband says something to you and you want to let them have it or someone says, and, and that urge is there. Anyone know what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying? And you can feel it rising up. And, 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 and one of the big keys that I've learned is to resist that urge, to resist that urge. 
and say to myself, I want to be proactive. Oh man, there's this great teaching I've, I've taught on the light of God. I mean, we hear the word light used in the New Testament. God is light. You're the light of the world. Walk in the light. And I didn't fully understand what that meant until I studied in Judaism. And I recognized that the concept of light in Judaism from Genesis chapter 1, when God said there was light, it opened up my whole world into this understanding. Now I know exactly what the disciples were talking about when they spoke about light. They were speaking about the infinite, endless light of God, the, 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 the energy power of who God is and what he is when he created the universe. That energy power still exists to this very day. If I want, when Jesus says, you're the light of the world, in other words, he was saying, if you want to be like God, who is light, then be like the light and you're going to receive more of the light. In other words, when I'm walking in the light of love and forgiveness and mercy and tenderness and compassion, I'm going to receive a lot more of that energy within my life to be more loving, more caring, more energizing. But I can switch off the light and walk in the darkness like John said in his, in, in his letter in 1 John. He says he talks about that sin or hatred towards your brother will keep you in the dark. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in the dark. I want to live in the light of God's power and God's energy. When the anointing comes on you, man, oh man, you can do anything. Hallelujah. That's the light of God. That's the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Don't be reactive. Be a proactive person. Be somebody who responds carefully, considerately. I learned something a long time ago. That I have the power when I'm in a situation that looks like it's getting tense or it's getting aggressive and, and you can feel the energy rising in the room. I learned something. I can always just exit that room. And I've learned how to just exit the room. Listen, I've got some people in my church, they're not good for my health. And I've told them, you know, they just want to argue about everything. And, 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 and they've got a problem with everything. And I said, I said, brother, you know what? Please, you're not good for my health. My blood pressure rises up. My, my eyes start blinking. I start sweating when I talk to you. What, what, what is this? And then I recognize it's you that's doing it to me. And then I said, Gary, here's the thing. This is powerful. I don't want to be reactionary all the time. And I learned something. It's not the person that's the problem. It's my reaction to it. It's my response to it. I can prove it to you. How many people in this room love to get insulted? Anybody really love to get insulted? Okay, brother, let me use you as an example. Would you like to sit here in the building today at 2 o'clock? We'll call everyone in this church here. We'll even announce it outside. Even the other church over there will call some of those people over here. We'll get them all in here, hallelujah, and we'll let them insult you for 24 hours. Would you like that? You could handle it. Okay, brother. You're tougher than, 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 than you know, praise God. That's good. I'm, I don't think I could. Hallelujah. Could you think you could do it? Do you think you could do it? 24 hours, insults, the worst things said about you. Even things that only you know about, they'll say it. Could you do it, brother? Could you do it, sister? Could you do it, pastor? No, I don't think any of us could do it. I mean, our brother, he's a tough guy, man. You're at war, you get him on your side. Hallelujah. Okay, let's change the dynamic. Sister, we'll call you here at 2 o'clock today. Or no, I'll open it up for anybody. Be here at 2 o'clock to be insulted by 100 people for 24 hours. But at the end of the 24 hours, you get $10 million. How many people will be here at 2 o'clock today? 
Hey, wait a second. You just said a minute ago that you didn't, you, you didn't want to be insulted. So what changed? The outcome, the way you saw it. You saw the insult as nothing more as a way to be rewarded. Are you catching this? If you can see insults and trials and testings as actually a reward for what God's going to do in your life, it's like winning that $10 million at the end of the day. And you just prove that you have the ability to do it. You just prove that you're able to shut off the reaction of those insults because of the way that you perceive the reward. Man, that is awesome stuff. It means that we all have the potential to do it. We all have the ability to do that. Number five. I'm almost done. Number five. Don't compare your life to others and don't judge them. You have no idea what their journey is all about. Can I say that one again? Don't compare your life to others and don't judge them. You have no idea what their journey is all about. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, many of us may be familiar with this portion of scripture, but there is, the Apostle Paul says in verse 12, we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. You see, you've got to get to the point where you're rejoicing in the uniqueness of you. If I compare myself to other preachers or other pastors or other men or other people, it's not wise. The Bible says, Gary, don't do that. Don't, don't be comparing yourself because I love you the way you are. And I, you know, only you is you. And without you, it's not the same. I need you the way you are. And, and, and you are, there is something unique about every single person in this room. And I want to say to you today that when you come to Jesus, discover yourself and discover the purpose for why God has created you. Do you know that scripture in the Bible in, Gen, in Gen, uh, Genesis 12 verse 1 where God is speaking to Abram and he says, Abram, get out of your house. You need to get out of your father's house and go into a land that I'm going to show you. Do you know, are you familiar with that portion of scripture? And, 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 and literally God is saying to Abram, you need to get out of your house of idolatry because his father was an idolater. Get out of that house of idolatry. Get out of that house of stargazing. Get out of that house and go now to a land that I'm going to show you. And in that land, I'm going to reveal to you my purpose and my plan for you. In Judaism, that Hebrew term, get out of the country, is, is pronounced lech lecha. Prasam lech lecha. Literally, in the Hebrew, it says this. And, and, and it's very different to the way we translate it. God was not saying, get out of that house. He was saying, go to yourself, Abram. Go to yourself. What was he meaning? The deep meaning in that is this. He was saying, Abram, I have a purpose for you. I have an assignment for you on this earth. You need to get out of your father's house and go to yourself to discover the true potential of what I've created you to do. Every person in this room, you have an assignment from God, brother. He's placed it within your spirit. And God is saying to you, lech, lech, ha, go to yourself. Discover the gift that I've placed in you. Because in that gift, I'm going to open up the blessing of the Lord. And out of Abraham came the nation of Israel. And it says they were, they were, they were more numerous than the stars of the heavens. Hallelujah. How powerful is that? And even in the New Testament, in Mark 10, 51, when, God heals blind, when Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus, at the end of that scripture in 51, he says, he says, go your way. 
And I believe it was a connection to Genesis. In other words, he was saying, blind Bartimaeus, I've healed you of your blindness. And now it's time for you to go and discover the purpose and plan for why I healed you. Legend, Christian legend says that he went on to become a great preacher of the gospel. And whenever he laid hands on those that were blind, they were able to see. How powerful is that church that we have something inside of us? I say to you today, go to yourself. Go and discover the true potential. Not what the people rejected you about, but what God has accepted you about. What God has placed in your spirit. That's the true you. There is more in you than you realize. God sees it. God knows it. How? He created you in his image. Hallelujah. And if he created you in his image and he says, imitate me, that means be like he is. And I don't know about you, but he's a creator. He's awesome. Number six, write this down. Number six, embrace a new life with Jesus. Your God-given destiny is in it. Embrace a new life with Jesus. Your God-given destiny is in it. Being born again is the turning point of any person's life. When I was born again 25 years ago, it was the crossroads. It was the turning point. Because at that point, My life changed from living out what I thought was my destiny, and I made a mess of it. Maybe that hasn't happened for you, but it happened to me. It went from that to discovering my true, true purpose for why I exist on this planet. I know why I'm on this earth. I'm on this earth to shepherd his people. I'm on this earth to deliver God's word and to encourage people to have a relationship with God. What is your purpose? Discover it. When you're born again, in Jeremiah chapter 1, this is really an Old Testament version of a person being born again in a sense. It's not quite the same, but you can see the similarities. In Jeremiah 1 verse 5, God says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in your womb, I knew you. This is God speaking to us as well. Before you were born, church, he knew you. He knew you before you were conceived. Before you were born, I sanctified you. You're not sitting in this church because it's an accident. God purposed for you to discover a relationship with him. He, I, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth. For you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Don't be afraid of their faces, for I am with you, look at it, to deliver you. Come on, someone, says the Lord. Then the Lord put, his, put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build and to plant. Those words are for us, church. Those words are for us. The crossroads of every person's life is when they come to Jesus. And I encourage you, if you don't know the Lord today, come to Jesus. Give your life to the Messiah, to the Savior, the one that God sent to deliver people into salvation. He is the deliverer. He is the only way, truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father except through Christ. He is the one that died on Calvary's cross. He is the one that shed his blood. He is the one that rose from the dead. He is the one that when you place your faith into, you'll never be disappointed because Jesus says, I will save anybody who calls on my name. Hallelujah. Yes, amen, brother. Glory to God.
Your life has a significant purpose for the kingdom. And you will discover it when you're born again. Or you can live the rest of your life without any God-given direction. I'm so glad I gave my life to the Lord. I'm so glad I would never have experienced the the wonderful things. My life is like a book that each day I I wake up and I look at it and I say, God, what's in store for me today? And along that journey, there came a ministry. Then there came a beautiful wife. There came beautiful children. And there's come beautiful friends and ministers and fellowship. And each day it is just an exciting journey of living for God because our lives are written out from the foundations of the earth. Just discover that through Christ. Amen. All right, here we go. Finally, number seven, seven pillars of building a happy life. Number one, make peace with your past so it won't disturb your present. Number two, what other people think of you is none of your business. Number three, time heals almost anything. Just give it time. Number four, no one is in charge of your happiness except you. Number five, don't compare your life to others and don't judge them. You have no idea what their journey is all about. Number six, embrace a new life with Jesus. Your God-given destiny is in it. And finally, number seven, the seventh pillar for a happy life is smile. You don't own all the problems in this world. (laughs) You know, when I first got saved and went into the ministry, and pastors will tell you this, For the first few years of the ministry, when you're young, you get what's called the Messiah complex. You you think you're the Messiah and you're the only one that's going to save the world. And if anyone and if no one if everyone if 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 people don't come to your church, then they're in trouble. And if they're not listening to your preaching, then they're in trouble. It's the Messiah complex. And then I recognized um, after I was burdened with all the problems of the world and all the problems of life, and I wanted to solve everything, and I was just walking around burdened. That one day, uh, the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, Gary Costello, would you start smiling and stop thinking that you have to solve all the problems in this world? And I've got news for you. You ain't the Messiah. So give it up. And I went, I ain't the Messiah? I mean, I'm like that guy that's, you know, everything's twisted in him. He's looking in the mirror and he thinks by fixing it, he'll clean the mirror. Uh, or straighten the mirror. No, it was actually me that needed to get straightened out. And I realized, I, I, I realized something, that, that I don't have to carry all the problems of the world. I can actually bring them to Jesus. Too many people view life from a negative, pessimistic way. And this is sad. But you can change this today. You know what? A smile costs nothing. A smile costs nothing. But your own decision to reject a frown. So I can reject frowning by choosing the smile. And you know the thing about smiling? Turn to the person next to you and smile at them. Look, they smiled back, instant harvest. Isn't that amazing? And it brings joy. I love what Job 9.27 from the NIV translation says. Job 9 verse 27. And we know the, the, the... tragic life of Job that was turned around by the Lord. But it says here in 27 from the NIV translation, if I say I will forget my complaint, all complaints, I I told my PA, I said, put all the complaints in the out tray. (laughs) And I'm seriously thinking of um, developing a complaints department uh, in our church. I mean, the phone will never get answered. I'll never have anyone to answer it, but 
And just putting, or maybe an, a, a recorded message that says, smile, smile. If I say I will forget my complaint, if I just let go of the unforgiveness, let go of the anger, let go of the bitterness, just let it go. Just let it go. I've been ministering to Lisa's auntie, and she's dying of cancer. And when I was ministering to her just last week, you know, it's, it's a sad thing to see someone's life just being taken away from you. And many times she would say to me, oh, Gary, just be happy. Just be joyful. And if there's one thing that I want to impress upon you right now, listen, anger and unforgiveness and bitterness, they make your body sick. They're robbing your life of things. And life is too short to hold on to grievances and, 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 and unforgivenesses and attitudes. This is a great church. You've got great pastors. Ha- have a spirit that says, I'm in here. I'm going to build on these nine pillars. Job says, if I say I will forget my complaint, I will change my expression and I will smile. There's something beautiful about that. And I have a choice that I can make today that says, I'm going to be happy about this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That is what life is all about. And I'll tell you something right now. These aren't all the answers in life, but they've certainly helped me to have a blessed life. And I hope that they've impressed you today. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. Could I have everyone just bow their heads, please? Just bow your heads and uh, close your eyes. And uh, when the service is over today, if you'd like some ministry, you'd like some prayer for any of those seven areas that I shared on today, I I would love, I'm available to pray for you. Because sometimes you need that point of contact. The men of God praying for you can just release something into your life. If you feel that you need some private prayer, I'm happy to pray with you. But right now, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you're here today and you have never, ever accepted Jesus Christ into your life, if you've never, ever made a decision to invite Jesus into your life before, you've heard about Jesus, you've heard about church life, maybe you've even visited churches, but you've never actually made a prayed a prayer that says, God, forgive me of my sins. And you know, the Bible says the greatest sin is the sin of rebellion. It's just trying to live a life without him. Why do that? Why live a life outside of God's best and God's favor? You can come to God today through Jesus Christ by praying a prayer that invites him into your heart. I would love to pray that prayer with you today where you're sitting and you can get established in this great church and begin your journey with the Lord. So I'm going to ask you a question. The question is, would you like to accept Jesus Christ into your life? If the answer is yes, when I ask you, all you need to do is simply raise your hand up. When I see your hand, I'll say thank you. You can put it down. And then we're going to pray together. So here's your opportunity right now. Just while every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you would like to accept Jesus Christ into your life as your personal Lord and Savior, would you raise your hand up very quickly right now? As soon as I see it, I'll acknowledge it and you can put it down. God bless you, sir. You can put your hand down now. Is there another person? Just slip it up and say, that's me, pastor. I want Jesus Christ to come into my heart, to come into my life. What about people who need prayer this morning? If you need prayer this morning, would you just slip your hand up so I know who's who and who needs ministry? God bless you. I see your hand. Anybody else? 
would like prayer this morning. God bless you. I see your hand. Okay, fantastic. I wonder if we could all stand together. And I just want to pray this prayer. And uh, brother who had his hand raised, if you'd like to pray this prayer with me. And um, the attendants will meet with you after the meeting. And uh, they'll help you get started in the Christian faith. And if you want to come and say hi to me, you can come and say hi to me. And I'll shake hands with you too. But pray this prayer with me right now. And anybody else who would like to pray this prayer, pray this right now. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I, believe I believe that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is, the Son of God. is the Son of God. I also recognize, I also recognize that I am a sinner, I am a sinner lost, lost, going to hell, going to hell without, Jesus. without Jesus. I repent today. I repent today. Forgive me. Of all my sins. Today, I choose life. I choose Jesus. So Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. And I choose to live for you all the days of my life. And it starts now. No turning back. Only going forward. With you in my life. Amen. Amen. Someone give the Lord a shout of praise Amen. this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. It's been an absolute joy sharing with you uh, this morning. And I'll hand it over to you, Pastor Tony. God bless you.